0: Welcome to the Regency Publishers Podcast. It is my pleasure to introduce Florie Paquette, who has a very interesting story to tell. This is nonfiction, and may I first say how honored I am to speak to you and how brave I think you are to talk about what happened to you. Would you show us your book and tell us a little bit about it and why you decided to read it? It's Under the Tamarisk Tree, Florie, Tell us about this book.
1: Well, I wrote this book out of a cry of, it was basically out of agony and wanting to scream out some uh, terrible experience that I had um, being part of a religious cult for 10 years, how I got sucked into it, what it was like getting brainwashed and how it was we got I got unraveled from it and set free.
0: How long ago did this happen?
1: 30 years ago.
0: Will you begin your story by sharing with us how it came to be that you found yourself in a cult?
1: Well, we went to a church where the pastor was very very into a building program and um, had people you know, giving their wedding rings and everything to pay for this big building. And we were pretty disgusted with it. We thought this this is, this is not really what living a Christian life is about. This is not sharing Jesus with people. This is this guy trying to make a, you know, big church for himself. And so we left that church and we were looking for something more genuine, something where the people were really dedicated to God and really wanted to lay their lives down to follow Jesus. And in the course of looking for that church, we met up with this um, man who was leading a church that appeared to be very very much what we were looking for. The people were very enthusiastic. They were were dedicated to one another and dedicated to, to giving their whole life to the Lord. And they were very, just very enthusiastic. And it seemed like they were very spirit filled and and it seemed like a good place. So we started going there and I gradually started not really liking, you know, things that I didn't really like the leader that much because he was kind of stuck on himself. <laughs> and, you know, there were things I didn't like, but, um. We were being slowly brainwashed into believing we had to be under a pastor's covering in order to be safe where God wants us to be and to how, be open.
0: How did that happen? In what ways were you being brainwashed? And I'm sure it was slowly over yeah. a period of time. So, can you give us a little bit of insight
1: as to how that happened? Well, they started saying. That we needed to be under a, a covering, you know, that there was, God had people in authority over us, that we needed to be underneath that authority in order to prove that we we're serving God and not ourselves. Um, it was our way of laying our life down for the Lord, you know, doing what this pastor was saying instead of what our hearts were saying. Okay. And I, I didn't really like it and everything, but they had, I was homeschooling at the time and I didn't really want my kids to go to public school, but we didn't have the money to pay for a, a private school. And this church had a beautiful elementary school run by the mothers and um, run by a, uh, the pastor's wife who was a special education teacher okay and um it, the school looked really good but we had to be in covenant in order to have our children in the school which meant we had to make a commitment that we would not leave this church and forever you wouldn't leave forever for for that and was how did,
0: how did you make that covenant did you have to sign something was it a contract was it verbal
1: it was verbal at first, but way down the road, it got to the point where we had to sign a legal document. Were um, you allowed to have an attorney look at it? No, we were not allowed to see it beforehand. We had it read to us once, and that's when we were signing it. That that was a big story right there, how that happened. Um, there's a lot around that, how that transpired and what I went through prior to signing that document
0: so may I ask was part of this covenant giving over your personal items your home your car money
1: anything like that well yes and no I mean you we still had our own cars and we own had our own money and everything but if it was called upon for us to donate or to a share or anything we had to, it was, it was, you know, we held all things kind of in common. Um, we bought a, a 12 passenger van, a brand new 12 passenger van. And they wanted the keys to the van because they wanted to be able to use it for their school. So, and I, I thought they should come and get the keys from me anytime I would loan it but they said, no, we want your keys. And they made me feel like I was being selfish and withholding from God. If I didn't give my keys over for this van, that's just one teeny tiny example. Tell me some others. Oh, well, let me see. We had a child swap. This was down the road in it where um the discipline in the church for the children was very abusive. It was very authoritarian, and they used a rod to spank the children with if they disobeyed. And um, the pastor thought that there were some of us that were being too lenient on our children and decided that it would be better if we had a child swap. And we had to give up our children for a week to some other family that they picked, you know, and take in somebody else's family of their children that they picked so that we could like tell on each other if we thought those children weren't being dealt with strictly enough.
0: How, how did this make you feel? And what did your
1: spouse say about this? Well, my spouse went pretty much along with whatever they said. Um, I'm the one that kind of kicked around a lot about it and didn't like things. Um, but that was when we didn't like something, the interpretation of that was that we were uh, not wanting to go along with the will of God.
0: Were you allowed to work while you were in this at
1: this? You couldn't work. No, I, ha- I had to work in the school. And what All- about What about your husband? He worked. Yeah he he was a
0: CPA. Had you worked prior to joining the church?
1: No, I was a stay home mom. Okay. So it wasn't a. Some of the women were though. There was professional, the nurses and you know teachers and all kinds of things. But they had to quit their jobs, and dedicate their all their time and energy to the school that we had.
0: Was this a very large church with a lot of
1: members? Well, it had about 40 families. Wow. So small. It was small, relatively small. Yes. Do you mind me asking what
0: state this was? You don't have to tell me your city. It was in California. Okay. So this lasted for 10 years. Yes. What was the breaking point for you?
1: Well, first I had to be really brainwashed into it to start with. And then um, people started to the the pastor kind of let up on us a little bit, he started traveling a lot. And so it wasn't so strict around where we were. So we started talking to each other and sharing with one another things that he had done to us as individuals. and his elders, things that he used his elders to do to manipulate and uh, demean and break down other people, Um, we started sharing our stories with each other. And through that, I started to see this, this can't be God. Were you
0: physically abused?
1: I was not physically abused,
0: but I was mentally tortured. Emotionally. You were called names and you were demeaned and, you know, told you were betraying God and and all those things.
1: Well, yes, I, I, um, start, I had a miscarriage and, and, uh, the pastor blamed me because of my anger and I knew what I was angry at. I was angry at him. Right. Um, He blamed me because of my anger. He said that my anger killed my baby goodness i'm so sorry and that. so that threw me you know i'm every my mom and people were saying no that's not right that's not true but he was my pastor and i thought he knew more about god than i did um, were,
0: were so your I, family and friends trying to extract you from the church no did they question why you continued
1: to stay there No, they just kind of stood back and observed and were kind of leery. They seemed kind of leery. And in our minds, that was because they weren't really dedicated to God themselves. I see.
0: What was the turning point for you that you finally decided to leave? And how did you talk your husband into going with you?
1: I started writing a letter to the pastor because he eased up and started saying it's okay to talk to each other and all that kind of thing. And I just got to the point where I wrote a letter to him to tell him how much he hurt me and how much he hurt my family. And in the course of writing that letter, I realized that this absolutely could not be God, that this was a false teacher and that that he was a wolf in sheep's clothing and um, I shared that with my husband and he was like, yeah, it's not right. Things aren't right. You know, it's not good. Um, but he wanted to wait until everybody came together and ended the church. Um, he was dedicated for life. He he meant business. And he he thought that, you know, you know, things needed to change, but maybe we could change them. And then it would be okay it's kind of like
0: marrying someone who's not very nice and saying i'll fix him it just doesn't work like that does it
1: yeah it doesn't work that way but my husband finally you know he agreed he started hearing other people's stories which they he did horrible things to people just so mean just really mean and manipulative hurtful breaking them down in front of each other you know just he was horrible. Anyway, um, my husband just finally said, Yeah, you're right, this is right. But he wanted to go to the very last meeting where everybody was going to confront the pastor. And um, he we went to that meeting. And at the end of the meeting, one of the elders got our written covenant that we had all signed, took it out on the on the uh, sidewalk and burned it and said you're all free. Really?
0: The elder did this with the pastor's knowledge and approval, or he did it against the wishes of the
1: pastor? I think the pastor saw that legally he was getting himself into a lot of trouble because of the abuse of the children. And just that he had, he he saw himself going down the tubes. So he wanted out. So essentially
0: you left without anyone trying to stop you once you left did someone try to get you back
1: there were people that thought that we were wrong in leaving and they thought that we were walking out from underneath god's will and all that but by that time we were just like too bad for you man (laughs) does the
0: church does this church and that pastor are they still around um the
1: church we tore apart we shaved physically well yeah both physically well it it wasn't we didn't have our own building, but we tore the whole structure, the, the whole structure of it apart. The people wow. just rebelled and, you know, and we went to the police <sighs> and reported his crimes. We we went to news stations and tried to get it publicized what he had done and what happened. And um the police couldn't do anything about it. They they interviewed some of the children and everything, but most of the children didn't want to talk. Well, sure. And they wanted to get on with their lives, you know? They were also brainwashed, right? They were also brainwashed, and they got thrust into, because the school is what ended first. You I know? see. The teachers finally got to the point where we were exhausted. We were being worked to break down.
0: May I ask how old was the, your child that was
1: going to the school? Well, um, first it was my, my, he was six when he went in. Okay. Um, and then he was a freshman in high school when he got out. And I had, se- I had seven children Wow. have, um, was
0: that school accredited? So were your children able to move over to another school and have all of their credits count?
1: Yes. Good. It was, Ooh. it was, it was, they were very competitive in wanting to be better than the public schools. Right. And so, and the, the leaders, the, the principal leader was, a uh, an accredited teacher and she made sure, and also the pastor had been an accredited teacher too. That's how he got his first recruits years before we got in.
0: Wow yeah so
1: they, they knew how to run a school.
0: When you finally left, did you and your family go for counseling? Yes. did um, it change your life? Did it help? Did it harm? Did you not need it? What did you find out through counseling?
1: I was in counseling for twenty years.
0: You blamed yourself, didn't you? Yes. And did you realize in the end it was nothing to do with you? No. You were a hostage. (laughs) You know that you were a victim and a hostage.
1: I know I was a victim and a hostage, but I also know that I did things that were wrong. And I was accountable for that. I had to go to my children and apologize to them and tell them what I had done wrong to them and ask them for forgiveness. And did they forgive you? Yes. So
0: you think you did the crime and you've done the time and that you've been, you've been absolved by who you thought were your victims and does your husband feel the same way?
1: Yes. He, we, we will always regret those years of what happened because they did so much damage.
0: Aren't they, though, a learning experience for you and your family to watch out for charlatans and hustlers and con artists and everything? I recognize that you probably will go for counseling for a long time. Um, I will tell you something that my counselor told me. You have to forgive yourself. Yes, yes. Have you heard that before?
1: Oh, many, many, many times. And that was the hardest. I was the hardest person for me to forgive.
0: I didn't understand it. I thought, how do you forgive yourself? And I said, I've never heard that before. So that's the hardest thing you ever have to do, isn't it?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It was need to forgive the cult leader than it was for me to forgive myself. Of course it is. Because if you keep holding
0: on to anger at everyone else it's like an acid in your stomach. Absolutely. But that doesn't count for yourself, does it?
1: No, well, it's still an asset. In fact, it's not until recently that I've been able to come to the place where I was really able to forgive myself. I'm so
0: glad. Don't you dare cry except for tears of joy that you are no longer held under that. God still loves you. You are in a good place. Your children are happy. You are healthy. That's what's important, correct?
1: Absolutely.
0: So you decided to write Under the Tamarind Tree as a, as kind of a, to get out some of that anger, to forgive yourself, and to put it out as a warning for others. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm so thrilled that you came on this show today. I honor you for all you've been through. I said that at the beginning, and I said it in the green room. You have walked through the fires of hell and come out on the other side. Yes. <laughs> I hope you you will be proud of yourself at some point because just speaking to you, I feel honored to know you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. (laughs) Where can we find you on the web?
1: Um, Let's see. My website is books, www.booksbyflori.com.
0: F L O R I is the spelling of Flori's website. And her first name is Florentine. So, but we're not talking about that. We're going by Flory. Um, and are you, I know you wrote a book of poetry. Yes. It's kind of in a similar vein, trying to get through this anger and this loss and all this confusion. Do you think you'll write again,
1: Flory? I don't know. I, I really honestly don't know. I feel like that I have so many other things I want to do in my life. I love I love art and I'm watching my, I have my grandchildren. I love pouring my life out to my grandchildren. If I write something, it will be because I get the inkling again that I have something important to say.
0: What's the last thing you want to impart to the audience?
1: That if you seek God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength, he will take care of you. And he will deliver those who are truly, truly seeking him. He did. I see him that he rescued us from this situation.
0: Is it also a case of, um, beware of charlatans selling, selling snake oil. You have to kind of be careful if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel like right in your gut, it's probably
1: not. Yes, don't you, you? need to follow your gut, and don't go for anyone who um, is self-aggrandizing or who demands um, allegiance or uh, wants you to obey his, his or her in work. the
0: name of of their in, God. Right. In
1: the name of God or any other any organization, because There's cults are not only in churches. They, they are in all kinds of- yes they, organizations. yes, they are. If there's a strong leader that, that makes themselves out to be it, then get out.
0: Thank you so much for telling your story. Well, I you. think you're going to help a lot of people with this. I appreciate you joining me today on the Regency Publishers Podcast, and I wish you well in the future. Thank you so much for being with us today. You can go to www.theregencypublishers.com to find out more about Flory and the publishing house.